Welcome to League One Fun, presented by the Beautiful Game Network and brought to you by Roughneck Scarves and Golden Gold Press. Please subscribe, rate, and review us on your favorite podcast app. I'm Ira Jersey. On this show, I interview Greenville Triumph outside back Tyler Polak, attacker Jake Keegan, and head coach John Harks. These interviews were last week before the team's big 4-0 win at North Texas. Let's go to the interviews. I'm here with Tyler Polak. He is a defender for the Greenville Triumph. Tyler, thanks very much for coming on League One Fun. Yeah, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. So when did you first know that soccer was going to be your sport and something you might want to do for a living? Uh, I was definitely young, younger age. Um, all my older brothers, my three older brothers played uh, growing up. So just out in the backyard playing, uh, it was pretty evident that I wanted to do it. Um, not at that time being a profession, but definitely just getting into leagues around the state and eventually high school uh, and kind of moving forward from there. So what was the process like for you being signed to the team? So when did Coach uh, Harks first notice you? Um, well, we've known each other um, since, I believe, 2016 when he brought me into FC Cincinnati. So from my time there, it's kind of when I knew him. Uh, we kind of stayed in touch here and there. Um, when he landed this job at Greenville, uh, he kind of reached out again just to see how things are going. Um and I think November, December is when we kind of got more serious about talks about coming in. Um, and then December, mid-December is when I signed, or maybe it was January. Um, but yeah, I, I've known him and we've, we've stayed in contact here and there. And so, so now that you're at Greenville, so you started with the team in preseason, was it significantly different than any other teams that you've played on? Or can you describe what differences there are? Yeah, I mean, for this team, I mean, uh, it was kind of kind of similar to Cincinnati where Harks has brought in a lot of good guys, um, not just good soccer players, um, but just good guys off the field. Um, so it was pretty easy to gel with with everybody and, um, you know, have, have good chemistry on the field. Uh, so it relates both to on and off the field. So talk to me a little bit about the about chemistry. What um, about the, the the chemistry of your teammates do you think makes for a good locker room? Is it is it just personalities? Is it that you have a mix of people who are funny and serious? Is it, you know, well, anyway, what do you think makes a good locker room? Yeah, I think it's all of the above. I think uh, a good locker room is full of guys who are accountable of themselves, um, kind of look in the mirror and and know they're doing the best. Um, that's where trust comes into it. Um, and if you can look to your left and to your right, and you can trust both those guys, and they can do that down the line, um, then you're going to have a good good locker room and good chemistry on the field. So, so describe to me about how building that chemistry on the field. Is it something that happens only in trainings, or do you do a lot of things outside of trainings together with, your, uh, with the rest of the squad? Yeah, we try to get together. Um, early on, we watched... Uh, Champions League games and stuff like that, um, which is good. You kind of just watch players at higher levels and see what they're doing right and just communicating like, hey, I can see you doing that on the field um, and just kind of deciphering what we could do better because um, there are some things that you can replicate that the guys at the higher level are doing. Um, just having that communication off the field, I think, translate onto the field. 
so, so since we're transitioning kind of to some of the on-field play, you know, describe your impression of what Greenville's style is and your role within that style. Yeah, I think um, with our striker, Jake Keegan, kind of based on him, um, I think we try to play centrally um, and then bring it out wide and have we got some pretty talented wingers that can that can beat guys one on one, and then whip balls in uh, for keys to get on the end of it. Um, but it's very possession based, but it goes along with the other team as well in some aspects. To where if they're high pressing, you know, there's a lot of space in behind, um, so it might be a ball into the channel. Uh, so it kind of uh, depends on the game and who we're playing. But I mean, we're very possession based and try to, you know, create gaps uh, from the other team so we can ex- exploit them. And so so for that, what's your favorite activity that you do during training? And, uh, I mean, you personally, either something you excel in or you think something that you get the most out of during training? Uh, I mean, the most fun I have is probably doing 5v5, uh, small-sided, um, keepers involved, uh, going to goal, getting shots, making tackles, um, but also doing some crossing and finishing. Um, love to cross balls in, uh, which is something that I've been trying to work on. Uh, it's always good when you put a good ball in and, and the guy finishes it. So when you're on, on the pitch during a match, what's the – you know what what in-game changes do you kind of make so one thing that coach harks has said and he he said this at uh in the united soccer coaches magazine called soccer journal he mentioned that he likes players with uh with a high soccer iq so that's you know problem solving and just understanding the game so so what kind of adjustments do you consciously make during the game that you you think um you know can can help uh your your teammates in uh, either in attack or in, in defending if it's a depending on what type of match it is yeah i think offensively is it's working with my left-sided center back and my left mid just understanding spacing to where if i'm going high then the left mid might come in to create some some imbalance for the other team to create more options for my left center back um and then as far as defensively just creating cover for, for the center backs when they're going up for balls and sliding over uh, when we're in possession uh, to uh, sorry to uh, stop them from counterattacking us, to have a proper cover and balance. So a few weeks ago, there was a very long rain delay after uh, after about 20 minutes of play. Um, you know, it looked like it was a, a pretty decent crowd actually in, until that time. Also, um, at least at least they were loud on, on the broadcast. But but afterwards, you come out. You know, obviously the stands are empty during that that time, and it was like an hour, hour and a half, if memory serves. How what did you guys do to stay focused, and, and what kind of stuff do you do? You know, in the middle of a of a game, having such a long delay. Yeah, that was that was a very unique and uh, difficult situation. Um, just not knowing whether the game was going to be played or not. Um, that just goes goes on us as players to kind of stay engaged and keep talking about the game, um, as well as staying loose, stretching, um, eating bananas and, and other foods to be ready. Because um, I mean, it happened. We were, we played the game, and uh, at one point we didn't think we were so. You just need to stay mentally ready. Um, I think we did a good job in that game coming out strong 
whereas I don't think they were as sharp. Yeah, obviously you came out with the win as well, so I, I think that was a uh, um, you know a, a statement to your guys' preparation, I guess, during that long break. Um, talk to talk to us a little bit about travel. So one of the things when players from overseas tend to come to the U.S., they they don't realize how monotonous the travel can be, and and that's for like major league soccer clubs that you know fly commercial and and don't necessarily have layovers and things like that. How hard is it to get from Greenville to places you know like Madison or Lansing, and uh, and what do you guys do to stay you know physically and mentally prepared for uh, those away matches? Uh, I mean, for us, we have Greenville's got a, a decent sized airport, but we also have Atlanta and Charlotte uh, close by, which fly pretty much direct uh, to those airports, whether they be small or, or not. Um, but as far as traveling, just staying hydrated, uh, that's that's kind of the biggest thing. Um, so if you got a window seat, the guy in the aisle is not going to like you, but you, you got to stay hydrated. That's the biggest thing. So shifting a little bit to some off-the-field stuff, what is it like doing public appearances in the upstate? You know, do, do you uh, go out for dinner sometimes and get notice in public places, or uh, is are you still, um, you know, are people still trying to learn uh, who the Triumph are? Yeah, it's kind of uh, different. Um, some people recognize you, and um, some people... You know, they hear that you play for the team, and they're very interested. They're like, oh, yeah, we heard about them. Um, so it's very encouraging. Um, it's just getting those uh, people out there uh, that, we're, that we're working on. But it, it's awesome being around the town and at sometimes being recognized. So, so it's sometimes like a sales job. Uh, you know, someone sees you in public, and, and uh, you know, you say, hey, come out to a match. Maybe. Yeah. Yeah, maybe, absolutely. Maybe you can conv- convince the BR department to let you carry around a couple of free ticket vouchers or something like that to try and get some people. Yeah, in the that'd, be, that'd be an interesting idea. Yeah. Uh, so, what is, what is it like playing for Coach Harks? You know, the guy is a U.S. soccer legend. I mean, he's someone who, you know, he he and I are the, of the same generation, and I saw him play in you know the 1997 MLS Cup, which you know you were not particularly old back then. But you know, <laughs> what's it like playing for someone of his uh, of his stature within U.S. soccer? I mean, this is your second stint with him if memory serves right yes yes it is uh it's unbelievable uh the the guy's got a lot of knowledge um so just hearing him talk and what he has to say i mean you just got to be ready to listen and and try to comprehend what he's saying because he's very knowledgeable and he wants you to learn the game um and at the same time he expects a lot uh his expectations are very high and you do your best every day to work hard and, uh, you know, like I said, try to listen and to improve to meet his standards. But it's awesome. It really is. And, and finally, you know, last question. What do you think about the play in USL League One right now? Uh, you know, having played in the championship before, you have some some knowledge of, of kind of the breadth of teams and the variety of teams there. How would you compare the play of League One compared to the championship? I think it's, I mean, very competitive. Um, we, we played... Charleston in the Open Cup game, um, which I thought we did very well against them, dictated the game. Um, unfortunate how how it ended, um, but I think l- league round. I mean, it, it's very competitive, and I think there's some some parity there. So I, I think, yeah, it's it's very competitive. 
So, so talking about the the very competitive, you know, we talked about Charleston, which used to have an affiliate agreement with Atlanta United. Now they're they're independent again, but still maybe have a couple of loanees. What do you think? But uh, with the idea of uh, the MLS two teams coming down to League One, is is that something that you just don't care about? You just keep your head down as a player, or is it something that you think might enhance the league even just having you know a, a different variety of talent in the, in the in the league? I mean, I think for me, it depends on the team um, and how many, how much resources the MLS team puts into the the two team. Uh, you look at North Texas, top of the table, uh, doing very well, um, keeping things very competitive, and um, and then you have other teams that maybe not putting as much, and it kind of shows in the table. So I, I think it depends on the team and the circumstance and situation, how much they they put it. Uh, time and money into that um, to keep the, the same level. Great. Tyler, thank you very much for coming on League One Fun. We, uh, we look forward to you playing uh, very soon. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you for having me. Appreciate it. I'm here with Jake Keegan, who is a forward and attacker for the Greenville Triumph. Thanks for coming on League One Fun, Jake. Thanks for having me on. When did you first know that soccer was going to be your sport and that you might want to pursue it as a professional career? Uh, when I was about five, I started playing, and that was kind of when I knew that it was my, my passion, and my dad got me into it. And then in terms of on the professional level, it was probably when I played in the PDL. Uh, the first time I played was in 2011, my junior year of college. And up until that point, I was I was passionate about the game, but I never really compared myself to the top players in the PDL, kind of gave me that opportunity, and I did well that first season, and it uh, gave me the belief to go on into the game at the professional level. So, so did you get noticed playing in PDL? Is that how you kind of got your opportunity to uh, to, to go pro, or, or when did when did you first kind of get noticed and, and get that uh, um, and, and get that first contract? Uh, well, yeah, I think in both cases. So I was I was drafted by the union in MLS, and that was through the PDL, I think, anyway. And then I didn't end up signing with them. And the first contract I signed with the team in, er- in Germany, and that was also through a friend um, that worked with the PDL team that I was playing on. So, yeah, it was m- most of the professional opportunities I got at the beginning were through the PDL. So which, which division and team in Germany did you first play for? Uh, it was a lower league team in Germany. The team was called uh, FCA Darmstadt. Um, and I played there for half a year, and then I went on and played in Ireland after that. Nice. So when did Coach Harks first take notice of you? Was it something that uh, that you were interested in, or did he find out about you or your through your agent, or you know how, how did you want, end up on the Triumph? Um, it was through – at first it was through a friend – uh, who kind of acts as my agent, but he's, he's an interesting guy. Uh, he's helped me along the way a lot. He's just kind of passionate about the game. He reached out uh, to the club, and Chris used to be the assistant AD at the college team I was on, so there was a connection there. And then from there, John reached out to me, and the first time we talked was actually I was in Ireland last season playing, and he FaceTime called me, and that was definitely the first time that I saw a coach over the line on FaceTime. So it was a, <laughs> Interesting experience. That, that's that's interesting. It was FaceTime, you know. So 
I guess by having it FaceTime and if you you recognize Coach Harks, then you knew it was a little bit more serious than, you know, if someone had called and you'd be like, yeah, the, uh, you know, I don't know if this is a real call or not. Or did, did that matter, you think? Uh, yeah, it definitely, definitely had the personal touch. And he was sitting in his office. So, I mean, obviously, as a expansion or a first-year club, you don't know exactly how how things are working, how the infrastructure behind the club, but it looked like a lot of the good things were in place already just from – the setup and the things he was talking about. So I, I do think the personal touch definitely made a difference. So Greenville plays in a in a pretty possession kind of style. And, you know, what do you see as your, your role in it, firstly? And secondly, how has that role evolved? Because one of the things that we've noted on League One Fun as we watch your games is that sometimes you're up top kind of as a target striker and sometimes you're maybe a little bit more withdrawn. Um, you know, how do you see uh, your role and, and how it's evolved over the course of the season? Uh, I think at the beginning, I was mostly just a number nine, and um, the job there is to hold the ball up and bring other people into play first, and then obviously score goals when you get opportunities. And when I was playing, when, when Cameron Saul was playing more as the uh, number nine role, I was still a little bit more withdrawn in that. And that is more kind of um, create chances for others, and then also get on the end of some yourself. So I, I do feel comfortable in, in either position, and Whatever the gaffer asked me to play, that's that's where I'll be. Do, do you actually call John Harks the gaffer? You go up to him and say, "Hey, gaffer." I do. I think I might be. I actually think I might be the only one. It's it's kind of a UK thing. Maybe some of the UK yeah. UK guys do it, but. Yeah, it's definitely. I, I mean, I actually, uh, you know, a long time ago, I had trials in England myself, and they everyone was calling the the coach the gaffer, even though, you know, the coach was twenty three yep. years old and we were all eighteen. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so that's funny. Most of them, most of the coaches I had over there. They wanted to be called gaffer. Like they, they hated. First of all, they hated to be called coach. That was just a definite no-no. And then to call them by their first name or last name is a little disrespectful too. I think sometimes. So, gaffer it was. Interesting. Yeah, we'll have to dig into that sometime. Over uh, well, you probably won't drink during the season, but um, you know, I'll buy you a diet coke or something. Um, talk to me a little bit. <laughs> Uh, you, you can drink. <laughs> yeah. Talk, coffee. <laughs> yeah, there you go. So talk to us a little bit about travel. Given how much travel there is going out to places like Tucson and Madison, what do you do to stay mentally and physically prepared for those away matches? Uh, we're actually really lucky as a club here in Greenville. We're very centrally located, and we are able to take a lot of, if we're taking flights, direct flights, which is very nice. When I was playing in Edmonton a few years ago, the travel was an absolute nightmare, and it was it was a huge disadvantage, but I think here in Greenville we do a good job as a club um, take looking after the players and making sure we're ready to go um, for whenever if we travel the day before or whatever the case may be. And for me personally, I like to get in, in the water, whether it's a pool or an ice bath, uh, the night before, especially if it's um, a plane trip, just to kind of get rid of some of the inflammation. And well, Some guys will get on Norma Tech boots, and there's a lot of different things that uh, guys will do, but... It does seem like uh, the home record of teams is, is a lot better than the away record. So it is, it, I mean, it is obviously a disadvantage, but something that we need to uh, limit as much as we can. Yeah, and then finally, what's your impression of, uh, of USL League One? You've now played in, you know, in Germany and Ireland and, uh, and, and other places as well. What, what do you think of the competition level in League One compared to some of those other places you played? I think, I think it's a very high level. I, I wasn't quite sure what to expect uh, coming back from it. I had played in the NASL, but, uh, and I, we'd obviously played against USL teams as well. But, uh, I mean, I think it's 
it's a good level, and there's a lot of young players who wouldn't have had the opportunity um, without these new teams coming up. I mean, you just look at uh, North Texas, who are playing this weekend. They're top of the table, and if so many quality young players, it'll probably be around for years to come. So it's a great league for that. And, and I'm just looking at the level. I mean, we played uh, Charleston in the Open Cup, and yeah, we lost the game, but I didn't feel like that game was at a much different standard than the USL League One games. So I do think um, the championship and League One are, are very comparable, and I think it's, it's a good standard to play. Thank, Jake, thank you very much for being on League One Fun. We look forward to seeing you out on the pitch. Thanks for having me on. I'm here now with U.S. men's national team and D.C. United legend, veteran of two World Cups, and the current head coach of the Greenville Triumph, John Harks. Coach Harks, thanks very much for coming on League One Fun. Yeah, my pleasure. It's great to be on. Do you like being known as a legend? Uh, I don't put too much thought towards it. Um, you know, I think, no, I don't I don't think about myself like that at all. I just think about I'm fortunate to, to be given, you know, an opportunity to coach and play a game that I love. And uh, no, I just... I don't think about it. It's kind of awkward, I guess, you know. Times, yeah, but, um, that's what I would have, you know, would have I, thought. I certainly take yeah. a responsibility. Yeah, it's a, it's a responsibility and accountability with it, I guess, sometimes. But, you know, it, it is what it is. Yeah. So, Jake Keegan just called you the gaffer. Um, do you have a preference of what they call you from your like your days playing in England? Did, did you use the term gaffer for, for your managers? I did. I, I, I used a lot of our managers were gaffer. And, um, you know, I just got kind of used to that. I think maybe it depends on the environment that you're in and, and what you're used to on a daily basis. And, you know, as long as they don't call me negative things, I'm okay. They can, they can refer to me whatever they want in a positive light. <laughs> Uh, so I am going to be a little bit of a fanboy before we start talking about uh, tactics and, and stuff. But I uh, I went to a number of D.C. matches back in the early days of Major League Soccer in 96 and 97. Um, and I had the privilege of seeing you play in uh, the MLS Cup final at RFK Stadium in 97. Um, I had a lot of favorite matches from, from those days. Do you have a favorite memory from those early Major League Soccer days? Uh, yeah, a couple, actually. Um you know, I can remember um, a game that we played against uh, Tampa Bay Mutiny, um, you know, a, away from home. And they were at the top of the table, I believe, at that time. And we were, you know, just trying to turn our season around in, in the beginning stages in 96. And if you remember, you were there. So you know that there were times where we had had three wins and maybe seven or eight losses in the beginning parts of the year. And I, I do remember a specific game. Um, where we went down there and just the self-belief and the confidence that we had to turn that around and get a good result. And it kind of set us up going into the playoffs, you know, and, and things like that. So that was a great game. Uh, obviously, when you know, when you get to the finals in 96 in Foxborough and, and 97 at RFK, um, you know, it's fantastic. Those, those stand out. I mean, that's, that's like a given. Um, it was also a good, great game that we had against Columbus Crew, and eventually I went and played for the Columbus Crew, and I had a great admiration and respect for them as well um, because the way that we competed with, with each other early on in the 96-97 uh, seasons, you know, and, and building into 98 uh, where we went to the cup final but uh, ended up losing to expansion side Chicago from one of our assistant coaches, <laughs> uh, Bob Bradley. So, yeah. um you know, you look in the bigger picture of things as much as you can. I mean, and sometimes when you're a younger player, 
film that's hard to do. Um, but I had uh, been fulfilled in, in a great deal, and I was very fortunate enough to have the experience I did in England and, you know, and compete and, uh, and, and win things there and, uh, you know, transition that back to MLS in some aspect and, you know, just trying to make things better and, and prolong my career, but also make, make players around me better. So from that perspective, there were so many great games that I remember even seeing, you know, quality players on our team stand out and do well, Eddie Pope or, um, you know, uh, Scotty Garlic and goal, goal making big saves and coming up and just watching other players grow around me, which is fantastic. So turning to your current job as head coach of a new team in a new league, um, you know, you told the United Soccer Coaches magazine, the Soccer Journal, back in, in their April edition, that you thought that U.S. coaches underappreciated soccer IQ and placed too much emphasis on athleticism. When you were building the roster for the Triumph this year, um, you know, what mix of player attributes did you really look for? I think it's a combination of everything, you know, from the, uh, you know, the physical, uh, the technical side of the game, you know, how clean can we be um, from a tactical understanding and shape and, you know, figuring things out, finding solutions. And that's like we talk about um, soccer IQ and things like that. Uh, it can be phrased in many ways. Um, so I try to find a little bit of everything uh, to, to blend that team together Um you know, and, and if you ask any of the coaches that have coached at a very high level, they'll tell you, too, like, you need a bit of everything um, within the team. And you need that bit of everything within a player if you could find it. So, look, I mean, it's great that we've been able to come out of the gate in the first year and um, and be competitive like we are. And because uh, we all know it's a, a bigger picture learning experience along the way. Um, what ends up happening is sometimes we trip ourselves up because we emotionally get caught up and thinking that things are going to happen a lot quicker than they do. And um, you never want to kind of fault that. You want to continue to keep it positive and allow these players to continue to grow and add things to their game along the way. So a little bit of everything. Um, guys that are, you know, integrity-wise, that are going to take accountability and step up, and, and that helps create the culture every day that we're looking for. Um, because that's the biggest thing, I think, is if you don't establish that right away, um, you're trying to do it and catch up to yourself, um, you know, throughout a season. And that's really difficult to do. So I wanted to make sure I got players in here that had great character uh, right across the board. Yeah. Uh, so, Coach Harks, how would you describe Greenville's playing style? What, what are you trying to get out of your team on a, on a game-to-game basis? Well, we, we like to play an entertainment style, but also uh, with that balance of having the, uh, the discipline, you know, of, uh, of the defending, the transition defending. So both sides of the ball. Um, how are we with the ball? Can we create? Um, can we technically be clean and keep the ball and be responsible with the ball? Um, but at the same time, as soon as it turns over, can we also um, switch on a little bit? And that, that transition defending for a lot of teams is hard. You know, and sometimes it's not been asked of, you know, when when players are in their growing development years as, a, you know, whether it be in high school or college games, uh, sometimes they don't get pushed in that direction and they're not asked of it. So trying to see if I can establish that here within our club. And sometimes you lose games while you're trying to do it um, and the way that you're trying to build towards a bigger picture thing. So hopefully we can be a team that likes to possess the ball out of the back that can build and you know, dominate at times with the ball, but also without the ball that we're responsible enough to, to see if we can 
as a group win it back and, and stay as a collective unit. You know, we want to make sure that we're playing as a team. So in, in designing your training sessions for the next week, uh, do you look far ahead? Do you kind of have a, a longer term plan of a couple of weeks of something you're building toward? Or um, do you kind of, you know, evaluate after a match and say, Here, here's the two or three things we need to work on. And these are the, the, the uh, um, activities that we're going to do to try and address those issues that I saw in the last match. It's a combination of both, really, because, um, you know, from a tactical periodization, what you're trying to add to your group along the way, um, you want to make sure that you keep that as a foundation. But certainly from a game to game basis, yeah, you want to you want to be able to address certain things, whether it be, um, you know, a lot of positives or you want to address some uh, areas of development um that you know collectively as a group we need to work on then you have to kind of sprinkle that into the training session as well um and when you do that then you're you're able to kind of you know form the team on the bigger side of things it's not like the shorter um you know picture view that you have in mind you have it on the bigger picture and that's making us better along the way throughout the whole season and so you know there's going to be ups and downs through that part and um because, you know, as, as well, players um, not only respond uh, emotionally to certain things, um, whether it be a loss or, you know, or even a certain win, but you have to constantly make sure that you're looking to add um, pieces of the game to them uh, without being clouded, you know, by that emotional response in a negative way. So you want to continue to keep it positive and optimistic and that's how I like to think I am as a person and as a personality. And so I try to tend uh, to lead them in that way if I could. So the roster freeze date is about a month away. Uh, are you guys looking to maybe bring in like one more piece to try and get you over the, over the line and into the playoffs or, um, you know, are you pretty happy with where the squad is right now? Um, honestly, yes, we are. We're looking to add to our group. Um, we wanted to make sure that we were fiscally responsible, um, in terms of building this, you know, from a budgetary standpoint. Uh, but, you know, as we add more numbers to the group too, and, uh, I think that makes us stronger. Um, as Phil Jackson always said that the individual, uh, makes the team stronger and the, and the team makes the individual stronger, vice versa. So, we want to make sure that we're doing that. We respect, you know, that the players that we have and the, it's been great, but we also need some growth and uh, sometimes bringing another body or two or a different skill set to that equation um, mixes in really well. And so we'll be looking. Uh, we're not going to desperately chase anybody right now, but we will be looking for sure. So what do you consider one of your biggest accomplishments so far with the Triumph? Wow. I think just getting out into the community and being well-known, I think, um, you know, getting our message and our vision out as a club, you know, from our ownership group um, about establishing a, our, ourselves as a, you know, of course, a sports franchise, but we're there for the people and we're there for the community. So in the upstate in Greenville and the surrounding area, um, we want to make sure that people connect with us. And, and while they're doing that, they're connecting to the game and to, you know, using sport and life uh, as it is. So I think our first goal is like, can we make sure that we come out of the gate and do things the right way um, as a club? And I think we're accomplishing that.
So, so I've, I've asked some of the uh, some of your players this, and and have you been noticed outside of the club, just walking around town? And you know, have you uh, what what have player uh, a coach appearance been like, like in in public? Yeah, I, I think it's um, I think it's been great to have you know conversations with people that that have been to our games, or you know they see on the streets or shopping or whatever it may be, and they. Uh, Hey, I was at your game last week and great stuff. And, you know, I had a great time and I enjoyed it. And I think, you know, like we, we were trying to talk about before we took over, I took over in the job of my role of being a coach and sporting director here was like, can I help fulfill what the ownership group really wants? And that's um, making sure that everybody, you know, enjoys the sport of soccer, but does it through Greenville, um, that they can take some pride when they come to a training session or they take pride in supporting us in the stadium that it is a great game day experience for them. Um, and then they walk away, you know, smiling. So we're not going to always have people walking away smiling because of competitive nature. Um, you know, people like to win and sometimes don't like to lose, but that's part of it. And um, just getting them and their passion on board has been fantastic. So we do like interacting a lot with the community and then being out there. And we do hear a lot of great conversations or you know, somebody going on an airplane says something to, hey, I saw your game last week. It was fantastic. So, you know, we, we enjoy that part of it and it just shows that we're growing it the right way. And, you know, given that you've coached in a, uh, a higher division, uh, what's your impression of USL League One so far? It's been a very good and uh, good league, you know, especially in the first year. I think it's uh, extremely competitive and I think there's a lot of um, similarities to the championship level, um, you know, without a doubt. And there's a lot of great quality players that are in League One um, that played in the championship level. And sometimes they make choices to go to a different club because they just want to be in a good uh, environment and a great coaching situation. And they also want to be in a great environment for the community. So um, that doesn't necessarily mean that they're stepping down. It just means that they're going to a different league and to a different club. So, it's been extremely competitive. It's been really a lot of good soccer. Um, and I think it's a big eye-opening experience for people that haven't seen it yet. And then they see the first game. They're like, wow, this is uh, they're pleasantly surprised how good it is. Do you think that if uh, MLS two teams end up coming down or more MLS two teams end up coming down, will that change the complexion of the league significantly? And if so, you know, do you think that I don't want to say if it's a good or bad thing, but, you know, how would that change anything that you have to do as an independent uh, as a coach of an independent team? Well, I mean, I think it changes the complexion no matter what, because, you know, you obviously you have to understand, you know, what the the league um itself wants its its brand to be you know what does that what do they want us league one usl league one to be um once we understand that then we can you know kind of fit into it or we can kind of carve things out in our own way but um you know it certainly would you know change things i don't know if it's going to change it for the better or for the worse we don't know um but i think that it makes it competitive regardless and then you know trying to over a period of time you know really figure out what our purpose is like, what are we doing it for? And I think if we all think of that in terms of the big picture of growing the game of soccer in this country, I think we're going to be okay. Uh, so two more questions, if, if you would be so kind. Firstly is a little bit personal. I, I coach teams from U9 to U15. 
besides just general uh, just general technical skills and maybe some athleticism, what do you think I should focus on with my players kind of in that age as, as I'm trying to develop these players to play at a potentially higher levels? I think two things. One is the technical side of it because that builds confidence in a player when they know they can control the ball. And the other part of it is the passion and love for the game. It's very simple because if they love it and they're happy and they want to be there, then they're going to want to get better you know, each and every day. They're going to want to come back to training and they're going to want to, you know, especially the younger age groups, they can't drive, but they're going to want to ask their parents, can you drive me here to training? I want to be there. You know, instead of saying it's a burden, my mom and dad wants me to go. Um, you want to make sure you create the environment enough that they enjoy coming back each and every time. Okay. And finally, how was your trip to Charlotte recently? I heard you played in a charity soccer game at, uh, at the house of soccer. <laughs> I did. I enjoyed it. It was a lot of fun, um, you know, playing with some former USL and uh, MLS players and guys that have just more recently retired, you know, a year or two ago. And, you know, even a guy like that, I coached Michael Harrington um, that I coached as an assistant with uh, uh, Ziggy Schmidt, who passed away and is a great dear coach and a great, great friend of mine. I coached uh, Michael Harrington, the U20s, uh, the Youth World Cup in 2005 in Holland. And, he gets to play in the same team with me as in a friendly all-star game, kicking it around with the International Champions Cup. So a lot of good fun there. Um, Heather O'Reilly was there. and Just just seeing all different people come together, and that's what the game's about. Yeah, I, I heard there was some controversy. Um, course, I heard there was some controversy at the end, though. There was The referees did a bad job. Some some guys from New York were right? uh, <laughs> Yeah, I heard that, too. Yeah, I, I heard the same thing. Yeah, I did hear that. Like, the, the switchboard or, like, Adding goals up or something like that didn't work <laughs> properly. So, but it lends it tends to lend itself to a lot of um, you know fun and competitive nature and penalties and all that stuff for the entertainment of the fans, which is great. So we love that. That's awesome. Great, Coach Harks. Thank you very much, and uh, good luck with uh, the Greenville Triumph as you guys try to reach the playoffs this season. Thank you so much. Yeah, we've uh, accomplished a great deal already in, in, in just being here as a club, and uh, we're looking forward to uh, the future, what it brings. Great. Good luck, Coach. You can connect with us on Twitter, at League One Fun. That's League, the number one, fun. I can be reached at Ira Jersey, and Jason can be found at Home Sweet Soccer. Thank you for listening. Please rate and review us wherever you get your podcasts, and check out BGN.FM for all the other great soccer podcasts and written content covering USL League One, USL Championship, USL League Two, NWSL, MLS, and much more. Thanks to our sponsor, Golden Gold Press, the best choice to get your custom shirts, hats, mugs, and other items for yourself or your organization. Check out their amazing products at a fraction of the price of other places at goldengoldpress.com. And thanks to Roughneck Scarves, official scarf supplier of MLS, USL, and U.S. soccer. Get custom scarves for your group or team at roughneckscarves.com. Until next time.